2: a monster like somebody from game of thrones or something like we call him uh, Gandalf, because like he's
3: never early or late he's always <laughs> at the right time
4: yeah, my job is to never stop we of percentages. i don't really give a damn about it, percentages honestly all i care about is wins if y'all didn't quite get it let me say it again i'm here to stay
3: Hello, and welcome to The Uncontested, a podcast where we cover the NBA, OKC, Thunder, and pop culture. You can find our episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and our website, theuncontestedsports.com. I'm the Thunder Mob, Jacob. This evening, I am joined by Justin. I'm too fast. That's maybe my favorite trash talk that he's done all season. (laughs) It's good stuff. I'm joined by Kamiar.
4: I just got done taking a nap.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And I'm joined by Nick.
4: What's going on?
3: So it's been a while since we've done a group pod because the Thunder have been playing so much basketball recently. But with two, two days off before they play again on Saturday nights, we figured we would best start a podcast for you guys on this Thursday. We've got some Thunder stuff to talk about. We are going to talk about some stuff going on around the NBA, some interesting stuff including breaking down the Western Conference standings. Um, Guys, let's just jump right into it. I'm going to toss it over to Justin for the Thunderbolts.
2: Let's do it. So I don't think it would be fair to start this topic of conversation with anybody except for a man named Paul George. He's been playing absolutely out of his mind lately. Uh, I kind of looked at the numbers. So you take his last eight games, which the eighth game – of that stretch would be that the game against Brooklyn where he kind of erupted and saved the thunder from an embarrassing loss. And Brooklyn's last game, uh,
3: Brooklyn's won seven straight since then too. Yeah. So not actually, right. not a bad one. That doesn't in there look Brooklyn. so bad anymore. Yep.
2: So those last eight games, these numbers sound 100% made up, but I promise they're real. Paul George is averaging 31.75 points, 8.25 boards and 1.8 one point eight seven five steals over that stretch. So my question is, is PG a legitimate MVP candidate? Duh.
3: Yeah, he's gotta be Okay, next topic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean he's he's gotta be in the conversation of like top five right now, I think, right? Oh,
4: yeah. Who is in the MVP conversation?
3: I think Giannis Giannis is probably the front runner, right? <laughs>
4: I think so. He is for me. Yeah, I love guys with no jump shots. They're, they're my favorite. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, uh...
1: (laughs) NBA.com comes out with their uh, MVP ladder every Friday, so we'll have a new MVP ladder by the time people are listening to this. But a week ago today, the top five, they had LeBron at one, they had Kawhi at two, Steph at three, Giannis at four, and Beat at five, and then they had Katie at six, PG at seven.
3: Interesting. Hmm.
1: So in the last week, do we think PG... G played played well enough to surpass any of those guys
4: above him. Kawhi doesn't even play him back to back, so I don't even know right. why he's on the list.
3: Yeah, I mean Kawhi's been great, but yeah, he's he's not playing a lot of games. Embiid's production has gone down quite a bit since Jimmy Butler's been there, hasn't it? Like, am he's I crazy? Still putting
2: up some pretty big numbers. I think he's. I think Embiid's in the conversation. I don't think he'll win it.
3: Lebron's Lebron's perpetually in the conversation ever since he came into the NBA. Yeah. Like that, that's just,
2: and I think what he's done, I, I don't know me personally, I was skeptical about this Lakers experiment. I didn't think they'd be where they were this soon in the season. So I think you've got to give LeBron a look for sure. Yeah. I
1: just think Le- LeBron, like it's unfortunate for him that he's always been so good that when he puts up monster numbers, it's almost like the rest thing where exactly. the first season he had a triple double. It was like, Holy crap. MVP. And now he's doing it for the third year in a row, and it's kind of like, okay, cool. He's averaging a triple double, and he's like tenth in the MVP race, if that. And then that's how it kind of with LeBron. He's he's put up these numbers for so long that when he's putting up these like monumental, never been done before numbers, it's almost like, okay, yeah, it's LeBron, so it's not impressive.
3: Yeah, I mean he's he's incredible. Um, I don't know. I I, I think LeBron probably has a spot. I think Giannis probably has a spot. Um, I almost feel like, God, like this might be a hot take. I don't know. I almost feel like Anthony Davis deserves a spot up there more than he yeah. does.
4: Well,
1: yeah.
2: I mean, I, I'd it, put him in the conversation. Uh, no, n- New New Orleans has to win some some more games, though. Yeah.
1: Is it safe to say? I know there's a little bit of time left till the All Star break, and people start voting. Is it safe to say PG won't have to make it in the game as an alternate this year?
3: That's hard because the, it's so crowded. It, 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 yeah, and it's fan voting. You know, so obviously LeBron James is going to get massive amount of votes being from LA. Uh James Harden gets massive amount of, of votes um typically from, from China. China. Typically from China. So the I don't like I wish and and maybe they've gone to this is fan voting just a portion again. And like, I think
1: they, they change it every year, so it's hard to even say what they're going to do this year. Yeah, because I know fan
3: yeah. voting was a part of it, and then um, players could could vote as well last year. Yeah. So players voted like on their peers, uh, which is interesting, but I'm not a big fan of because a lot of these players have, have things in their contract where if they make an All-Star game, they have incentives. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point.
1: But isn't that insane to think that we're all considering PG as an MVP candidate, which means, you know, one of the top five, you know, best guys in the league this year. And we're also on the fence about if he'll make the Western all-star team. Isn't that yep. crazy?
4: Yeah. I think the bigger question is if Russell make it instead of PG. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a, that's, that's a fair d- question. Yeah.
3: Especially with the amount of missed games, you know, I, I think that'll definitely play, play a role in that. Um, I also think PG's got to get a little bit of love for MVP because I don't know if you guys agree with this, but he's got to be top three in Defensive Player of the Year candidacy right now.
2: Yeah, like, he's he's playing out of his mind on that end yep. of the floor. Absolutely.
3: I looked up a while back, I looked up stats, or not stats, but like winners of Defensive Player of the Year and a wing. Um, like Kawhi Leonard has won it. Uh, Draymond Green, we'd probably consider more of a big than a wing. But besides Kawhi Leonard, really no wings have won that award in years. It's always gone to a big because bigs have nicer defensive statistics. But I think Paul George has to be top three right now in Defensive Player of the Year. Like He's probably up there with guys like um, Embiid or or Anthony Davis um, or maybe even Kawhi because he's been – He's, God, like, I don't know. He's he's one of the best two-way players in the game. I know Kawhi gets all that love, but I think PG and Kawhi have to be neck and neck right now as far as, like, who's the better two-way player. Is that crazy?
2: I mean, to Kamiar's point, PG plays back-to-backs.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I it it is a little crazy i think and the biggest my biggest hesitation on this whole conversation is it's mid december um but i mean like i like i kind of mentioned this streak has the streak for pg has gone on longer than i think i thought it would go he's traditionally a pretty streaky player he can get really hot for a little bit and then he can kind of disappear for a few games so my fear is that this is just a streak Uh, I think, like I mentioned, it's, it's gone on longer than I thought it would. So my hope is that this is something that he can bring consistently, like the Thunder used to be able to count on Kevin Durant for when he was, you know, dropping 25 points in 20 straight games and ridiculous things like that. Because if he can do that, then there's no way that he's not in that MVP discussion come in the end of the season.
3: Yeah, I'm with you. Do we lose the other two?
4: No. I'm here. <laughs> well,
3: okay. They're just
2: in awe of Paul George. That's all.
3: Okay. All right. Well, uh enough Paul George talk. I g I don't think we can ever have enough Paul George talk, but uh
2: This is true. So the uh the other interesting thing that's been happening in recent games uh is with Russell Westbrook. He's been weird. Uh he he's not been bad. I'm not gonna say he's been bad, but He hasn't been the same Russ that we're accustomed to. So he's not kind of crashing through everybody on the court like a cannonball. Um, He's playing with a different style. He looks a little more reserved. It's obvious he's trying to be intentional about facilitating more. But I think something that has maybe been a little bit understated by those who don't watch the Thunder all the time is that Russell's defense has been out of this world. He, he's locked in on that end of the floor at a level that I honestly don't know that we've ever seen him be locked in. He's always had like the ability to be that yeah. good of a defender, but the problem with Russ is discipline and actually being locked in and being focused on the defensive end, and I think we're seeing that this year. I saw a crazy stat last night uh, after the game that said he's got 17 steals in his last three games, and two of those three games, he got triple doubles. And that that's just something that you know, Russell Westbrook hasn't always brought to the table for OKC.
4: It's like the- you're getting playoff defense Russ, because Russ only defends in the playoffs.
2: Yeah, right. What? he's he's approaching the game with a with a seriousness that he typically has kind of saved for
4: the end of the season games that matter. Definitely. Except he turns he turns reckless, not really reckless, but he turns into normal Russ when somebody calls him slow or that says they're faster than him.
3: Yeah. I mean, Paul George even mentioned the other day people were asking Paul George about like Russ's shot and his finishing, and Paul said, "No, I think that stuff will come." But I'm really impressed with how locked in he has been on defense. He's accepting the challenge. So, like even Paul George has noticed it. My question, because Calmyer, I think you hit it on the head. We're we're seeing playoff defensive Russ, not regular season, like lackadaisical. I die on the first screen, Russ. Right why like why now has he decided to do this why is he buying in on that end like instead of like at this time last year or any other regular season like why is it now
4: maybe because he can't hit shots do you think
3: like the the lack of offense bleeds over into more aggressive defense
4: i feel like if he can't be effective on one end of the court he tries to be effective on the other end of the court
3: i think that's good I think that's good. Yeah. I also think that um having maybe having Robertson out and then having these other guys on defense on his team really lock in maybe makes him buy in a little bit more. Yeah. So uh, I think it's
2: a, it's I think there's kind of two factors when I look at it of you know one is I think he's some dude of the team um, you know, there we talked a lot about kind of the mentality of, oh, we have a switch, we can turn on and off and that's where we were at last year and that's what led to the thunder dropping so many games that they shouldn't have lost last season. And I think he kind of came out of that realizing like if he can lock in and bring it every night, then everybody else on the team follows suit. And I think he kind of understood the power of that influence that he has, maybe for the first time in his career. I don't think he's ever thought about, him bringing effort really having an effect on everybody else on the team. And I think he's kind of seeing the fruits of that a little bit. The other piece is to kind of layer onto what Kamiar said is part of it is, is poor shooting on the offensive end. But the other part of it is I think it's less um, offensive responsibility, you know,
3: is not he's he's at his lowest usage rate in like four years. Yeah,
2: and so when he's not having to to attack the basket three out of four times down the floor, he's going to have more energy, and that's more energy that he can use on the defensive end, whereas I think a lot of times when he was dying on the screens, he was trying to essentially, whether conscious or not, save his legs a little bit so that he could go score points on the other end, and he's not having to do that this year.
3: Definitely. So here's uh, here's Russ's stats over the past ten games, Okay. He's averaging just about 18 points on 38% shooting. Not good. 30% from three. Uh, for Russ's standards, that actually might be like somewhat decent. 57% from the free throw line. Ouch. But 11.5 rebounds, 11.5 assists, 3.5 steals, 5 turnovers, but as a plus ten point one,
1: I mean that's that means that the way the style he's playing and the way he's playing, that's that's the way we play the best. You know, it yeah. may not be the best numbers according to him personally, but clearly that's if he's a plus ten over all those games. That's that's the best Russ.
3: Yeah, here's my thing though: is like the free throw thing is freaking weird. It is super weird. It is weird, but if he can get the free throw thing at least somewhat figured out and start just finishing at the rim like consistently and pull that field goal percentage back up into the uh the low to mid 40s, I mean, that plus minus is going to jump because the team's yeah. going to be scoring more. Yep.
1: And on on the topic of free throws, so like here in Dallas, I don't get Fox Sports Southwest, so I was watching on NBA TV last night and they were uh, streaming like the kings um like their local broadcast so they're sure biased it was annoying but i almost liked watching it cuz you'll get a perspective from the outside of the nba and every single thunder player that went to the line at some point in the game which they they're not lying they're just going off stats every single time they were like all right we got so and so at the line that's good. They're not a great free throw shooter. Let's see if this was a good foul, and it and it got to the it got to the point where I was like thinking about it. And I was like, they're right. No matter who they foul and get to the line, like they're not a great free throw shooter.
3: Yep, that scares that's me. True. Whenever the Thunder get into a close game where, yep. they get fouled on the stretch, it scares me.
1: Like who who do you trust on the line on this team besides Abrinas? Paul, Paul George, P- PG, and yeah, PG. That's about, about it. it. Yeah, I somewhat sure, trust Stephen Adams
2: truder shooting 86% from the line this year. It's that sounds
1: like, a career, sounds like a career high for him. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but that sounds like it would probably be a career high.
4: Man, Do you trust Steven Adams with the line or Russ Moore? They're right around the same percentage this it, here's season. My,
3: here's with my thing on that question, because I thought about this last night after Russ missed like six in a freaking row. Like, I think I would rather have Russ at the line because if he misses it, which there's a good chance he's going to, apparently, like Steven Adams is going to come down. There's like a 50 to 60% chance he gets the offensive rebound and gets an extra possession out of it.
4: It's true. What about Jeremy Grant and Russ?
3: Oh, Jeremy Grant. Right yep. now, Jeremy Grant, 100%. It's,
4: what happened? Like, I don't know what's up with Russ. Like, he used to shoot in the 80s, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. he was like. His his percentage has gone down
2: 10 whole points each of the last two seasons. That's insane. Which is wild.
3: Dude, like that do you guys remember be that playoff game ritual. against the Clippers where Russ had to hit those three clutch free throws to like win the yep. game? Was Imagine that the
4: one where Kevin Durant was turned around. Yes.
3: Yeah. Imagine oh. if Russ had to hit three free throws to win a game right now. Like I'd turn the TV <laughs> off terrifying. and just check the score later.
2: <laughs> I'm looking at the the free throw stats for the team. This one's kind of interesting to me. It's it's higher than I expected. Nerlens Noel's shooting almost 75% from the line. Hey. Hell yeah, he is. On Granted, it's, it's like, like half line, an attempt like a game. games, 35 attempts, so not a huge number.
3: <laughs> yeah, about one attempt a game.
2: His mid-range jumper looks better than Russ. You know yes. who's shooting free throws well? I saw this the other day. DeAndre Jordan is shooting like 76% yeah, from the Yeah, that's weird.
3: Season. Wild. He should go. He and Russ like legit trade places. Free <laughs> it's crazy.
2: So I tweeted this jokingly from the, the podcast account the other night during the game, but there's some truth to it. At one point late in the season, do other teams start doing hacker Russ?
3: Like oh, that's gonna be bad.
2: But like if he's barreling down the lane, I'd rather. Have free throw.
3: Yeah, just like fall him, push him, grab him, something. Don't let the ball get up to the rim and just make him go shoot free exactly. throws instead, because you're probably saving yourself at least one point.
4: I mean, he probably won't get the free throws anyways because he keeps on getting no calls in the lane. Yeah, that's fair too. I
3: mentioned this the other night, man. If if Stephen Adams, if the the contact on Stephen Adams was called a foul at the same rate that James Harden gets the whistle, Adams would shoot thirty free throws a game. Like,
2: I think that's probably true for a lot of big men.
3: Adams get like just watching it; he gets his ass beat down there, man.
4: Yeah, he does. Like, he's
3: got to have, like, bruises on his forearms, and, like, people are karate chopping his ass. It's like a WWE <laughs> they're match. Karate,
4: they're karate chopping his balls.
3: Oh, that uh, knee him in the balls.
4: Kicking, yeah.
3: Like, I thought the like, other day, like, who were they playing? I can't remember who they were playing, but I, I think I tweeted out that, like, no fouls called. Someone could have went and got a, a metal chair. It was like hell in a cell. <laughs> like, holy crap. He gets the shit beat out of him.
2: It's yeah. it's it's one oh. of those it's one of those reputation things. It's Honestly, like, it's,
3: it's pretty impressive. Yeah, I think it's like he's so yeah. tough, we don't have to call fouls on him type of thing.
2: And like you know, he's gonna complain about every call. So if he's if he's upset about the call, that doesn't mean it was wrong
3: kind of thing. Yep. Which he used to never talk to refs about foul calls. He would just go on playing. He hasn't it's got true, anyone ejected recently. He should change that soon. He should. That'd be nice. <laughs> Make someone swing on him again. On a
2: more positive note, uh, (laughs) let's talk about – I want to talk about Terrence Ferguson a little bit.
3: Oh, you haters, come at me. Everyone on Twitter that's been talking that shit. (laughs) I knew
2: you'd be excited. I'll drop Uh, a pin. You can
3: come find me.
2: (laughs) So, T-Ferg's been awesome. I mean, from where he was at the beginning of the season where – everybody was ready to chase him out of town with pitchforks. He's playing just like incredible defense. Like he might be top tier defender for the thunder, including healthy Andre Robertson at this point. I'm not, I'm not trying to say he's better than Andre by any means, but what he's done in Andre's absence has been way more than I expected to see yeah. from him. And when you, when you look at the the film, the thing that stands out to me the most is his footwork he stays in front of guys, especially guys like like last night's a great example. He was matched up on De'Aaron Fox, the self self proclaimed fastest man in the NBA, and he was shutting down his drives into the lane over and over. And yeah, really making De'Aaron Fox work.
3: Multiple possessions where he cut off De'Aaron Fox to where Fox had to like pick up his dribble like in the middle of the lane and kick out to somebody else. Yeah, and like reset the offense. I also think you mentioned his footwork. He is great at recovering and closing out. And sometimes like if, if it's very clear, the guy's already in the shooting motion, Ferguson will close out and jump to contest. But if there's a chance that the guy is going to like head fake and try to drive by Ferguson and Paul George, I think are elite at this where they don't take big steps out and, and hand like really high up. Yeah. Instead, they take these really short choppy steps with their hands out wide That way, if the guy tries to, like, attack the closeout, those short, choppy steps, you're able to cut quicker off of that rather than taking long strides. And they're both, like, elite at closing out with those chop steps and then sliding back to to defend the drive. It's it's really impressive.
1: And that's just good defense as a whole. When you're playing defense, you want to stay on the ground, stay as, you know, close to the ground as you can. So whenever you do have to, like, switch directions uh, or whatever you have to do, like, when you're doing those long strides, you know you're 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 not on the ground as often.
3: Yep, exactly. And man, speaking of his defense, and and what Justin just said leads right into this. On the Athletic the other day, uh, Thunder beat writer Brett Dawson was doing a and A, and someone had asked a question about Ferguson's defense, and Brett said that he thinks Ferguson is approaching like top tier. Um, as far as wing defenders in the league I thought that was a uh, that was pretty high praise for I love Brett but I mean Brett is by no means a thunder fan he just he just covers the team he's kind of like a non-biased uh person who covers the team he's not like us and and enjoys and is a fan of the team so from his yeah. non-biased opinion of a guy that watches him every night he thinks ferguson is approaching uh that that category of Upper tier to elite wing defenders in the league. That's that's some pretty high praise.
2: It's yeah. I don't know that I'm ready to go there yet. Um, but I think I think what he's shown us is is very impressive for a guy that it is in his second year. I think he's probably you know learned a lot from guys like Dre on the Thunder. I think he's probably learned a lot from PG. Um, And I think it a little bit goes back to, you know, it's a mindset shift that the Thunder have as a whole um, that they, they didn't have last year and they haven't had in in a while, just in that, you know, taking defense seriously and kind of starting the game from that point versus, um, you know, treating defense as optional sometimes like they, they tended to. I think, I think Terrence is a big part of that culture shift as well.
3: I totally agree. And, um, also on Terrence. Is his shooting? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what I was about to get to. Uh Last, yeah. last 15 games, uh, I, I like <laughs> number one. Um, it's just a very convenient thing on StatStartNBA.com is the, the farthest you can go back on just the season segment is 15 games. Uh, so I tend to do that because I think that's a, kind of a smaller chunk of a sample size. Last 15 games, Ferguson's 43% from three on two attempts a game.
2: That's huge. Pretty I mean, I, I would like to see what he could do with more attempts, yep. probably. Yep. Um, but I mentioned this on last night's post game pod. Just watching him, kind of anecdotally, not hard numbers here. Uh, it's it's evident that he feels more confident when you think back to when he was, you know, going through a rough patch to begin the season. He looked legitimately sort of. Oh, you know, he. Did, he would kind of float to the corner and disappear. He didn't really engage. But what he's been doing recently, especially after coming back from that last injury, he's looked uh, sharp. He's, he's made good cuts. He's come off screens well. And when he does get the ball, if he's got a shot, he shoots it. And he shoots it quickly. And I think that's big for, for a young guy to be able to shoot with confidence, not hesitate and exactly. take advantage of any, any little amount of space that you get uh, from the defense. You've got to take advantage.
3: Completely agree. I think uh, I think it was Kamiar that said the other day, you know, Russ had that conversation with with Terrence early on in the season to help him get his confidence back and and play better. Uh, maybe the flip side of that needs to happen now. Maybe Terrence needs to sit down with Russ, try to get that shooting percentage back. <laughs> Pay it <up>. forward, man. <laughs> I'm uh, but yeah, I'm 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 very happy with what Ferguson has offered this team, and if even if it's only on two to three attempts per game, if he can shoot uh mid to upper 30% from three and he can keep continuing to progress, I think it starts to become a legit conversation. If Robertson comes back, not a hundred percent. Do yep. you play him over Ferguson?
2: Yeah. It's crazy to think that that is a legitimate conversation, but things are definitely trending that way.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think what, what Terrence does well is he takes advantage of the amount of minutes that he gets. He's averaging 25 minutes a game, which for a starter, uh, or no, sorry, I'm not looking at the right player right now. Um,
3: (laughs) But uh,
2: funny. I don't know. Oh shit, he's shooting
3: 45% on seven attempts a game? I don't know where I am. Uh, Oh, sorry, this is Kevin Durant, my bad.
2: The point is, uh, he's taking advantage of the minutes that he gets. He's not getting a ton of minutes Especially for an nba starter. He's yeah. not getting typical starter minutes You know, a lot of his minutes are going to guys like dennis Schroeder, But he's he's taking advantage of those what I like to see him get some more shot attempts. Sure But I think when you look at this thunder bench and we've we talk about it all the time with how much depth they have There's just not a ton of minutes to go around So you have to have guys that can be efficient with the minutes that they're given
3: agreed agreed and the in the past 15 ferguson's averaging 20 minutes a game
2: okay i wasn't too far off yeah um so the guy who's the guy whose stats i was actually looking at
3: was nerland's
2: noel um which is which was supposed to be my segue (laughs) um went pretty smooth there you go So speaking of guys that have taken advantage of their minutes uh nerland's noel I think has been playing really solid for OKC in 25 minutes a game. Um, he's done a great job coming off the bench. He's probably the strongest backup center candidate uh, outside of Ennis Cantor that the Thunder have had in a long time. The biggest question mark for me with Nerlens is, do you think he stays around? So he's on a two-year contract, but he does have a player option after this year. So given It's his only for rides, like two million bucks. Exactly. <laughs> 1.9 next year. Um, I My fear with Nerland's is, you know, he kind of, he came into the league highly touted, touted. Uh, he kind of, his his stock dropped quite a bit. It dropped even more when he went to Dallas, and that allowed OKC to sign him kind of, you know, at a very low value. I think he's raised that value a lot. So I think if he wanted to leave this summer, he could command a lot of value on on the open market. Uh, so my question is, do you think he takes advantage of that, or do you think he enjoys being a part of the culture that OKC has and winning games, which he's never really done in his career?
1: I think, and I, I feel somewhat strongly on this because this is a very um, interesting topic. That I, I, you know Being here in Dallas like you, there's a lot of guys that say he's trash after seeing him for a year. I think with his past and how he's never gotten a good opportunity, he's never really thrived in a system – the fact that he's finally fitting in somewhere and fitting in a system, I really do think that he's he'll be willing to to, to play for us for that vet minimum you know amount and see if he can really raise the stock even higher. Because I, I think even if he could go get ten mil somewhere else, who's to say that his confidence is uh, high enough that he really thinks that he's going to go there and actually you know make a difference and not be eating hot dogs on the end of the bench again. That's
3: a good point, all What do you think?
4: I mean, New Orleans isn't going to be on the team next year unless OKC is able to free up some money.
3: I actually had this thought the other day. So he can opt into that contract. I personally think he opts out of it. But the Thunder will still have their taxpayer mid-level exception that they can spend. They haven't spent any of it. Um, actually, they, they, they dipped into less than a million of it for Hami's contract you guys second rounders get signed differently but so they have about 5 million in that taxpayer mid-level exception to spend on a free agent if they decided to spend that on Nerlens Noel would you guys be okay with that so he gets off the off that veteran minimum and the thunder give him like basically the Patrick Patterson contract yeah. like it, 3 it, years it de- at 5 million a piece
1: it depends on who else is out would there would he because- take that I think you. I think you would, but it also. Jim. Yeah, I, I think it depends on who's out there. If if it's like Nerland's is out there, and and we can give that to him, or you know someone else, a a, a good shooting wing is out there instead. It's it, it kind of just dependent on you know what else you can get with that.
3: Here's the thing, though: is next summer there's going to be a ton of money free, yep, and a ton of free agents. So there's going to be a lot of people. I think it's going to be. Uh, not as extreme as the summer of 2016, but there's going to be a lot of really yep. big contracts. So, like, if the th- all the thunder has is that five million um, mid-level exception, you know that might not be enough because some average players might be going out and getting uh, contracts kind of above their value because yep. of the the influx of money in the market to the point where um, that five million might be you know, kind of on the lower end of what New Orleans gets offered next summer if if slash when he opts out of, of the second year of his deal.
2: That's where my head's at. I think what he's shown this year from from a production standpoint, uh both on the offensive and defensive end. Is worthy of you know some bottom dweller team that doesn't have a strong center. Like they'll they'll take a chance and give him a contract and give him an opportunity to be their starting center, which he hasn't had um, since the very early days of his career. And I think that would be hard to pass up for Nerlens because I think as much as as winning and being a part of a, a potential championship team. Can be exciting, I think, from a, from a personal standpoint, to come into the NBA as this highly touted recruit, and then to, to kind of have your prospects get destroyed, to be able to rebuild that, and be at a place where you're a, a starting center in the NBA again, you're on a, a pretty large contract. I think that that would be pretty hard to pass
3: up. And there will be teams that need centers next year. I mean, like, I think the there's Lakers, not a ton of great centers. Yeah, I think it, the Lakers would take Nerlens over Javale McGee. You know, I think, yeah. um, I mean, after Ennis, uh, his contract is up in New York, I mean, they're going to need a center, you know? Yep. So, so well, like, who a, knows
2: what happens with like golden state this yeah, summer? Yeah. They, they don't have a good center.
3: Exactly. Because you got to assume DeMarcus cousins is, is a one year guy there, you know? So exactly. there's, um, there's definitely some, some interesting possibilities for him going into next year.
2: For sure. One of the guys that could uh, potentially help ease that if Nerlens did decide to leave would be Jeremy Grant. Uh, Jeremy Grant has been playing out of his mind as well. I think we've used that adjective on quite a few guys on this podcast so far. Um, But I think Jeremy's been playing at a level that starts to make you wonder kind of where he fits in Thunder history and kind of Thunder lore as far as power forwards go. And I think I I jokingly said this a few weeks ago. I brought it up again on a post-game pod recently. But at what point do we start making like real comparisons between him and Serge Ibaka? Now I'm not saying like Jeremy Grant now and Serge Ibaka now necessarily, but I kind of I pulled some numbers from Jeremy Grant this season, and I wanted to compare it to I pulled. Um, Serge Ibaka's season from 2012-13, which is when he started to kind of make a jump. It was his fourth fourth season in the NBA. Um, This is Grant's fifth season. So similar time frame, but that I felt like was when Serge Ibaka really kind of elevated his game to where he's at nowadays. And when you compare the stats, they're not that different. So Jeremy's stats... Right now, in uh, 30 minutes a game, he's putting in 12.2 points, 4.5 boards, 52% shooting, and 38.5% from three. In the 2012 13 season, Serge Ibaka had 13.2 points, 7.7 boards, 57.3% field goal shooting, and 35% from three. So you have one more point a game, three more boards. Slightly better shooting, but worse shooting from the three-point line in similar minutes per game.
3: Let me ask you something. Do you have those Surge stats pulled up right now? I do. What was his uh, average assists for that season?
2: Surge's average assist was 0. 0.5.
3: Okay, where Jeremy Grant's at, 1.1. 1. 1. So exactly. over, over doubling assists. I feel like and maybe you guys disagree with this. I don't know. I feel like Grant has a much better offensive feel for the game than Serge Ibaka has ever had. I feel like Ibaka is almost robotic in what he does. You know, he's he's very much a, I, I, I know where I need to be. I catch, I shoot. Or I yeah. catch a guy that's next to me. I turn around. I hand the ball to somebody else. Where Grant has so much better of a feel as far as a passer, as far as a cutter, as far as a driver putting the ball on the floor and attacking the hoop, um, a better handle. Different. I think. I think Grant is. Serge might have been a better spot up guy, especially in mid range pick and pop. But I feel like Grant is so much more of a dynamic offensive yeah. player than Serge He's Ibaka a lot more ever was. Versatile. Yeah. I agree with that. Now, yeah, defen- defensively, you know, I mean, I I think because I mean, Serge Ibaka was in defensive player of the year conversations multiple times. Grant's not there. But this is true. He was averaging
2: three blocks a game in that season, yeah. which Grant is obviously,
3: yeah, at only one point two. But I think, uh, no, I I think I think they're comparable. I think they're comparable, and. I think we're already. I think probably we would argue that Grant's contract is already a bargain at three years at ten mil a piece. For sure, you know. I mean, that's that's going to end up being a very under the dude's not even twenty five yet. You know, I feel like that's going to end up being a uh, a bargain of a contract. When it's over, we're all going to say, "How did they get Jeremy Grant for that cheap of a contract?"
2: For Urson Ilyasova.
3: Yeah. And <laughs> what'll end I up being like, like a tw- I think the probably, 26th probably pick in the draft? Once
2: a week, probably once a week, I sit back and think about the trade that Presti pulled off to turn Serge Ibaka into uh, Paul George and Jeremy Grant. Yeah.
3: Serge Ibaka into four years of George and three years of Grant. Expiring Serge Ibaka.
2: Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah.
3: that's uh, That's some like level nine like wizard shit right there. (laughs) Yep. Cast, Um, cashed in a spell slot to, uh, to pull some, I don't know, some mind effery. I'm not going to say the F word on the podcast. I don't want to beep it out later. That's
2: smart, smart, sufficient. Um, so since, since we're talking trades, we're talking, uh, Presti, uh, what, he's been mentioned in in quite a few uh, trade scenarios lately specifically for shooting. We know that's that's one of the biggest uh one of the biggest areas that the Thunder need help in this season. Uh two specifically come to mind with KCP and Terrence Ross. Um OKC's been been mentioned in both of those guys as having uh some interest. What do you guys think about either of those guys? Uh do you want to see them on the Thunder? Do you think they'd be a good fit? And what do you think we'd have to give up for them?
3: Nick, I'll let you take this one to start. I personally don't
1: think we're actually in the market for either of those guys. I think that other teams that are more desperate will be willing to offer a lot more and have a lot more to offer. Um, But I, you know, it's, it's nice to know that Presti is making those calls. If he's making calls on those guys, you know, he's making calls about a whole lot. Um, of other guys around the league, um but if we somehow could you know never say never with Presti I would much rather have Terrence Ross Um just based on the way he, he's shooting the ball from three he's a longer wing he kind of fits the Presti mold do we get either of those guys probably not but if either one of those guys suited up in a Thunder uniform without us giving up too much I would not be upset
3: yeah I uh I like both those guys. Uh, I obviously like Terrence Ross more Orlando's not going to trade Terrence Ross. They want to make the playoffs and there's a lot of people that are very interested in Terrence Ross. But I think the, the big thing here is these, I, the, these rumors circulating kind of tells us that the thunder are sticking their nose in there. Um, asking around, I think Presti's always kind of searching, trying to, trying to better the team. You know, he, would not be doing his job very well if he wasn't making those calls, but I I think it, it is a sign that they are poking around a bit and trying to see what 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 comes up. You know what they can do. Uh, Presty has been known to uh, to pull some stuff out of left field before, so I think that's kind of what's going on here. Is is they're just testing the waters, searching the market, trying to see what's out there. And you know, I that's I, good because like you said, this team struggles at shooting. And I don't think Presti would do anything to to obviously he wouldn't do anything to harm the team like intentionally, but a lot of Thunder fans say like oh they they just need to go get a shooter. Well, if you go get a get a shooter and you play them twenty minutes a night and they're not any good at defense, you are compromising what this team is good at in the first place. You know, so you have to find somebody that matches the identity of your team, but can can fix an issue that your team has. So I, I think. They, they definitely have to balance finding a shooter, but someone who is also isn't going to crater the defense so it's uh, it's a bit of an interesting balance
2: and doing it without overpaying because the thunder don't have a ton of money to throw around
3: it, exactly and you know it, if the thunder really wants to get in the conversation for a, a decent player a a decently named player i think you're gonna have to end up throwing in one of the 20 year olds and i don't know how comfortable the front office is uh with trading away ferguson or diallo because they're both playing really really well they're both on very team-friendly contracts and the thunder like for ferguson the thunder control his contract for the next three years and then he's a restricted free agent so it's yeah. their call if they bring him back. Same thing with Diallo, 3-year deal and then restricted free agency. So they realistically could have both those guys for the next 7 years. You know, are and you I, re- are you ready to give up one of those guys for a rental?
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It, it, unless I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure both those guys are on 1-year contracts so exactly. that they essentially you, there's there's no need to trade Diallo or Ferg for a guy it's gonna potentially be gone at the end of this year, unless it's a guy like a like a Paul George or a guy that's really gonna put you over the edge. Exactly, you know, Terrence Ross or, or KCP or any of those other you know guys that are just decent players. There's no need to do that.
3: Totally agree because yeah, you get that guy for one year, they leave next summer. You don't have the cap space to go out and sign somebody else. You're just short a player. Would you rather have that or would you rather have Ferguson and Homie? Uh, up to 2025. Yeah. That's where we're at with this. So, yeah, yeah, I agree.
2: Yeah, I think it's tough for me. KCP and Ross don't excite me that much. That's the biggest thing. Um, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it is what it is. I just, I'm I'm not uh, super high on either of those guys. Um, so, We'll see. Uh, I, I don't think Presti makes a move on either of them. I think it, it's all hearsay. Um, yeah.
3: But, also, those rumors are definitely coming out of the Orlando and Los Angeles front offices, not the Oklahoma City thought Yeah, right. <laughs> right and, exactly. and, and, just,
1: and just because – I mean, seeing seeing these reports that Oklahoma City is interested, that could be as simple as Sam Presti called both of those teams and said, what would it take? That doesn't mean that we've offered anything – that we're even close to you know being a yeah. loft or something, that just means that Sam Presti picked up the phone and made the call, which we expect.
3: Exactly. Um, I do think that Lakers front office, though, I think they leak everything. I think they're just like, yeah, a, right? like a busted faucet. They just leak. <laughs> because, like, I don't know if you guys saw this, but recently um, a, a report came out that Phoenix didn't want a pick from the Lakers. They demanded Josh Hart in a... Trevor Ariza swap. And so the Lakers said, no, like that's totally being leaked from the Lakers front office. You know, like that, that, that idea that that report is totally getting leaked from the Lakers front office. We already know magic Johnson can't keep his damn mouth shut. You know, he's <laughs> already has like multiple tampering fines. So right. it's, um, it, that's definitely coming from, from the Lakers. it
2: will be interesting. Um, but man,
3: what would you do to be a fly on the wall in Presty's office, though? Just like man. hear the calls he makes and and how he does business and how these trades go down. Like that would be so freaking cool.
2: I want to see like a Moneyball style movie made about Presty.
3: Yes, dude, I would totally watch it. Yeah, just,
2: I, I want to know very very about all the all the stuff that like we don't even know about, like all the trade talks that he's had that was never reported, never leaked, never
3: mentioned. Exactly, because I'm so, like, sure
2: I'm sure they're out there,
3: man. If I could, if I could, like, be invisible, and this sounds kind of creepy, like, if I could be invisible Go on someone's house, uh, if I could, like, s- just just be an observer at any point in Thunder history to Presty, like, what which era or what day would you guys choose if you could, like, be around Presty and just like passively observe what he's doing because my though, my day would 100% be the the James Harden trade. That's
2: what I was going to say. That feels like the obvious answer. I think pretty much any draft night would probably be pretty interesting. Yeah. Prestige is usually pretty active on draft night. Yep.
3: I mean that Harden trade day like you know there's been rumors that they were working on something to get Bradley Beal, that they were working on something to get Clay Thompson. Like, like, oh, that just—it'd be so fascinating Crazy. just to like be in that room and see what calls he was making and like what his dry erase board looked like, you know.
2: Don't worry, it'll probably be a thirty for thirty one day that'll be like n- produced by Bill Simmons or something. So I'm sure we'll get a good look at it.
3: Oh yeah, <laughs> just—it's so fascinating. Like, oh, I, I, I would just love it. I would love it.
2: Absolutely. Fun fact. I shook Sam Presti's hand once, so that's cool.
3: Oh, very nice. I uh cool, I don't right? know if I've told this story on the pod before, but years ago, it was the year going into KD's final contract season. Yep. The Thunder had their their annual blue white scrimmage down at Newcastle High School. Mm-hmm. And I actually won tickets to, to go. And so I got to sit courtside and watch the team play. And those tickets also included a 30 minute Q&A with Sam Presti before the game. Nice. And so we got to go sit in this room and basically just talk to Sam Presti and like, you know, there were like those well, how are you going to get Kevin Durant to stay? And people asking <laughs> questions, but then like me and like these two other dudes were like just getting like super deep into it. It was it was really fascinating. We asked him cuz that was the year they drafted Stephen Adams, I think, or the year before. And we asked him about Steven Adams, and he said, we had two guys we were considering when pick 12 came on the board, and we went with Steven, and we're really happy. Uh, but the other guy would have been good too. And so naturally I rose my hand and I said, <laughs> Who was the other guy? And he refused to tell us. To Man. this day, I still think it was Giannis, but I think it was either Giannis or Rudy Gobert. It was, just, it was cool to like get that's to sit crazy. down and talk to him. Yeah, that's awesome. We weren't allowed so, to have any recording devices, though. Makes sense, I guess. So let's uh let's wrap up
2: Thunder section. Looking ahead, they play the Jazz on Saturday night. Then they turn around, turn around, uh, come back. Yeah,
3: they got Minnesota on the back-to-back game. Yeah. On yeah. Christmas Day. And then Houston. Yeah, Houston on Christmas Day is gonna be a blast. Because they're Houston's yeah, so not playing sure. bad.
1: Yeah, they they've turned it around. They actually just lost to Miami by two. Gordon dismissed a game winner uh, as we're recording this. But they're I think even with that. Well oh, hold on, time out, playoffs. time
3: out, time out. Harden didn't take the game winner? Nope. Wow.
2: Controversy. He
3: didn't get his six step step back for the game winner? Nope. <laughs> and then uh, Chris Paul actually got hurt tonight too. Is that right, Nick?
1: That is right. Well, another hamstring,
2: okay. dude. Can't stay healthy.
3: Any, we're about to get into that. Nick, what's your prediction for the next three?
1: I think two and one. That's that's what I have been saying for a long time. Other than cupcake weeks, and our you know record is pretty consistent with you know that two and one um, out of every three.
3: Yep, Justin, what are you going with? I'm gonna be optimistic and say 3 0. Ooh. Hey, Nick, you said 2 and 1. Tell me which game did they lose?
1: Oh, you're killing me. It's too much pressure. Um <laughs> Ah, shoot. I think I honestly think this first game against Utah is gonna be the one. It's on the road. Um they we beat them the first time. I don't know. I just I just don't I don't like playing Utah. I I thought Going into the playoffs last year, that would be an easy round for us, and they just had our number. And although we beat them the first time pretty bad, I just there's something about that team. The way they match up, I don't know. if They just get up to play against us because it's us. I don't know what it is, but something about that team.
3: Interesting. I'm going 2-1 and one as well, but uh, my loss is going to be, the, actually, ironically, the one home game against Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, I think the last time Paul George played in Utah, what was it, 3 of 18? Yep. Crap the bed like that. in that in that closeout game. I think they go out to Utah. They get revenge. Second night of a back-to-back after being out on the West Coast. Time change. They lose an hour, gain an hour. I think they lose an hour.
1: Yeah. They lose an hour.
3: They're, they're going to lose an hour back-to-back. They're actually playing late against utah it's an eight o'clock tip for us so it's like they will after that game it'll be like 20 hours until they play again um carl anthony towns always gives adams a rough time i think they'll come back tired lose that minnesota game but then go down and beat houston on christmas day so i'm going to and one as well again so you guys ready to go around the association yes
2: sir
1: All right, so as you mentioned, the first thing I want to talk about here is the Rockets. They're the team that everyone's confused about, what's going on in Houston. They have turned it around a little bit. As we said, they're a playoff team now. Um, Harden is playing out of his mind, but also getting some of the dumbest officiating I've ever seen in his favor. But Chris Paul tonight has another hamstring injury. It seems like he can never stay healthy he always gets hurt in the playoffs when it matters most. And here's something I want to ask you guys. It'll probably start a lot of controversy. But if you're the Rockets, do you try to trade Chris Paul?
2: You can try.
3: Yeah. If, if they get to February, <laughs> if they get to the deadline and are still like at 500, I think you really got to think about it because that contract is really bad. Yeah. He, he's owed 160 million dollars over the next 3 seasons. After like yeah, after the, this season like
1: the 20 tw- the 21-22 season, they're going to have to pay him 44 million. million. Jesus
3: Christ.
1: And he's going to be like Nobody wants 38 that. years old.
3: God, with injury history. Right? You, yep. Man. Now Nick, you brought up something interesting in the Slack the other day about would would the Lakers take Chris Paul? Um I don't know if they would take him now because they have their eyes set on bigger things. They they're hoping to sign a big free agent in the summer and then Always. turn around and make a trade for Anthony Davis because they they have the ability to to sign a free agent and then trade for a max guy. But if if they strike out as far as making a trade for like an Anthony Davis type player I mean Chris Paul and LeBron James have this I think the same amount of years left on their contract um, the Lakers had interest in Chris Paul, you know like way back in the day with with Kobe whenever the trade got vetoed by by right. David Stern Chris Paul and LeBron are good buddies like i could I could kind of see that happening
1: yeah I mean it. the 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 contract aside, it would make sense for the Lakers. You know, they're in win now mode. They know they can't sit around and build this team for three and four years because you know LeBron's just getting older and older. I mean, if I'm the Rockets and the Lakers even offer me a couple of those young guys with those little little contracts, and you can get Chris Paul off your books, and you can start, you know, you can continue to be good, but also have that young talent. If you're the Rockets, you got to jump at that.
3: Oh, yeah. I totally agree. Also, report came out today that the Rockets are, are trying to offer a package to anybody to see what they can get. Of What was it? Brandon Knight in a first-round pick? And it said they haven't found any takers so far. That doesn't
1: surprise me. I mean, he's only yeah. been back for two games after being injured pretty much the entirety of the last two, maybe three years. So it's like it's one of those guys that you really don't know what he's gonna offer you. Um,
3: you you know where you find uh you, where you find that tweet at that of that report. You uh you go into your files, you go to the no shit file, <laughs> and you click it, and it's and it's just right there. Yeah, that's, I, I that's where I, it exists, right know. in the no shit file, because nobody wants Brandon Knight and the Houston Rockets first round pick.
1: Yeah, and. I think the Rockets are kind of stuck. I don't know what assets they have. They're going to get teams to move on on some of these guys unless it's a team that really just wants to tank right before the deadline and give up one of their big contracts just to save some money and get a better draft pick and maybe get Zion or something. I I mean, there's nobody on the Rockets right now outside of Harden and Capella and some of those core guys that I really would be like, wow, I really want that player.
3: Yeah, like if if you're a contender... You know, trading for, um, oh, God, P.J. Tucker. Trading for P.J. Tucker or Eric Gordon makes sense. But if you're the Rockets, like, you have to get something of high quality back in return, you know. And I don't see another, like, the Michael, or not Michael Carter Williams, um, the Brandon Knight in the first-round pick. Like, no Western Conference rival is taking that to give Houston something of substance, You know, like, that wouldn't make any sense.
2: Yeah, it makes it tough when when they have the offers limited. Yeah, exactly.
3: Like, the Lakers don't want that first-round pick. The Lakers are in win-now mode with LeBron. They're not, like, looking to build for five or six years down the road. The Lakers have max cap space next summer, trade assets, a bunch of guys on expiring contracts, and LeBron James. They don't want a first, like, a middle-of-the-pack to, like, mid-20s first-round pick they want players to surround LeBron with to try to win a title in the next three years.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned PJ Tucker. I don't even know if I would trade for him unless I got him for essentially nothing. I mean, he's on the books for about $8 million a year until he's 38 years old. Yeah, yep. So It's all those guys, whether it's injury history or bad contracts or they're on contract until they're old or what it may be, they just don't have a whole lot of you know, physical player assets that teams are going to be jumping at.
3: Agreed.
2: But I was told that Daryl Morey is a genius. So yeah,
3: he is. We'll he's, see. He's a he's a genius. Who uh, who's got a who's front runner for uh, executive of the year right now?
1: Ooh, I don't know if I've seen any reports or any um, reporters or anything that have you know came out with their early you know, top executives, I don't know who I would pick. I honestly, the Raptors
3: front office Probably has to. Yeah. I mean, even if
1: he, even if he doesn't stay, they've, they've they've made themselves the best team in the East.
3: Yeah. Uh, My thing is with like executive of the year, like a good executive, like build something over time, you know, where I think executive of the year is given to the person that made like the splashiest move for the year, you know, like yep. this is totally biased, but Sam Presti got Jeremy Grant at what we've already talked about as probably a steal of a deal at three for thirty. He got Paul George to commit to stay in Oklahoma City, not for a one plus one like everyone thought, but for a three plus one. He signed Nerlens Noel at the minimum. He drafted Hamadou Diallo forty fifth overall. You know, like I, I feel like that's a, uh, that's got to be pretty decent. You know, like that's got to be top three. But it's anyways, that's that, that, that's a that's a conversation for a different day.
1: Yeah, and it, it also, I mean, it's still too early to say. There's going to be teams that fall apart and teams that thrive off of some of these moves. So it, it'll that's one of those things you really do have to wait till till the end of the year to see how the playoffs shape up. But speaking of playoffs right now and the way it has been the past couple of weeks, it's been Thunder Nuggets Warriors kind of bouncing back and forth between one, two, three, respectively. Are those the three teams you guys think are gonna finish one, two, three? I'm not saying who's gonna finish at at which one of those slots, but are Thunder Nuggets Warriors, you know, kind of locks at those top three spots, you guys think?
2: I think I feel pretty good about two of the three. Definitely the Warriors, they're going to be up there. Uh, I'm feeling more and more confident about OKC as being in the top three. I'm, I'm still skeptical about Denver. You know, they've been playing so well. They've been playing well for a lot longer than I thought they'd be playing well. But I still am not just, I'm not.
3: Yeah, I'm with you on that, like. To me,
2: them, that's the hard part.
3: Yeah, to me it comes down to Denver and the Lakers, I think, at this point. Yeah. It comes down to Denver and the Lakers. And, yeah, like, Denver doesn't have... They're playing well. They don't have Millsap. They don't have Will Barton. They don't have Gary Harris. They don't have Isaiah Thomas. Those are, like, four rotation guys that they're playing without right now. Um, But, again, like, Denver didn't even make the playoffs last year, you know? And yep. so... Like they're playing well, can they sustain it? I think the oh, I think the Lakers. I I I'm gonna say it. I think the Lakers are going to have more postseason success than the Nuggets Ooh. because the Nuggets have never been there before. The Lakers yeah. now have, even though they've got the young guys, they've also have a lot of playoff experience with guys like Rondo, who's won a ring. Yep. Um, you know, LeBron won multiple rings. Um. You've got Lance Stevenson who has played to the Eastern Conference Finals multiple times. Uh, you've got JaVale McGee who's won a ring. Like you have all these different guys, you know. So I, th- I honestly think even if the Lakers don't end up in the top three, I think they'll have more postseason success. Um, but I'm going to say Golden State, Oklahoma City, Lakers are going to end up being those top three spots.
1: I'm not saying I disagree with the, with with your points on the playoffs because that is very valid. The Lakers do have a lot of guys that have been there, but at the same time, we've seen what Isaiah Thomas can do in the playoffs when he puts his mind to it. It's true. We've seen Paul, we've seen Paul Millsap on the Hawks a couple of years ago when they were um, yeah, arguably the best team in run. the East. Yeah. yeah, I mean they they do have some of those guys that have been there before, but I do agree the Lakers have a little more experience. But it it it's it, it, for Denver. It's going to come down to how healthy they can stay.
3: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Man, speaking of this, though, I am i think it's January 3rd. I don't know. I don't have the schedule in front of me. Uh, our first Thunder Lakers game.
2: It's going to be so much fun.
3: I'm pretty excited for that. I Is that
2: there. home or away?
3: God dang it. Now that you ask me, I'm going to have Sorry. to look it up. Let's go. <laughs> Oklahoma City Thunder schedule.
2: I got it. I got it. It's in L.A. January 2nd. Then the Lakers come back to OKC on
3: the 17th. Okay, nice. So we get two in two weeks. That's nice. Paul George versus LeBron James. Let me tell you something. Like, I've been thinking about that game just because I'm excited for that game. Like, Paul George, LeBron James, going to be a fun matchup. Russell Westbrook against, um, you know, someone like uh, either Lonzo or Rondo, going to be pretty entertaining. But let me tell you who is going to absolutely freaking eat in that game. Steven Adams. Do you guys think that yes, Javel McGee had. I mean, Javel McGee can block shots. He doesn't have a snowball chance in hell nope. in guarding. Adams is going to treat that kid like a freaking rag doll. He's going <laughs> to grab that nasty ass little um, ponytail ass looking like rat tail and rip it rat off. Too. <laughs> He's going to cook yeah. that kid up, man.
2: Remember what PG. Did against the Lakers last year when they still thought they had a chance to to land him, and yep. he came out and put on a freaking show.
3: It's gonna it's <laughs> gonna be a blast. It is going to be a blast.
1: Definitely. the last The last thing I do want to touch on, uh, we and we want to finish up here pretty quick, but one of the weirdest trades in I don't know if in NBA history, but part of the weirdest trade that I can remember in my lifetime, the. Suns Grizzlies Wizards trade that we thought happened earlier in the week that ended up not being a real thing and then it ended up just being a straight up Suns Wizards trade uh, yep. including Austin Rivers and Kelly Oubre and Trevor Ariza can anybody make some sense of what actually happened for me
3: <laughs> First off I th- I'm like almost positive that the trade, the three team trade was agreed to. And then obviously it gets because they don't know which Brooks is involved, Marshawn or Dylan. I'm like almost positive that the Suns and Memphis found out the, the discrepancy through Twitter, through like reporters on Twitter who talked to, um, talk to agents, you know, cause that's how a lot of, a lot of, uh, right. These like beat writers and, and people like Woj get the information on these trades is um, they're in touch with a lot of agents, and so that I think they legit found out from Twitter, which is incredible. Um,
2: what a world! Yeah,
3: but yeah, crazy, right? Because like the trade doesn't go through; it gets canceled. Marshawn Brooks now wants out of like Memphis. Before, yeah, Marshawn Brooks now wants out of Memphis because they tried to trade him, and then it didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> I think that's really funny. And then Dylan Brooks <laughs> is like, "Oh, damn! They really like me. They wouldn't trade me," you know. Um, But, yeah, so then they just take Memphis out of the equation and just do a two-team deal with the same exact players. So why was the third team even involved in the first place? Like, I don't get it. It's the Suns, man. And then the Suns, the one thing the Suns need is a point guard. They get Austin Rivers, who is a point guard, and then the next day they're buying him out.
2: Like, I don't know what they're doing down in Phoenix.
3: Tell me this. Phoenix absolutely had to know that they were going to buy Austin Rivers out before they pull the trigger on that deal, right? Oh, for sure. Because you don't pull the trigger on that deal, and then Austin Rivers says, I'm not going to play for you. Give me a buyout. Like, And if, if you knew that Rivers wanted out, you essentially traded Ariza for Oubre. There had to have been better deals out there for reason, right? Besides just Kelly Oubre. There had Unless- to have been better deals
2: unless all that talk about all the people that wanted Ariza was just BS coming from the Phoenix execs.
3: That's true. I actually heard that the Phoenix, Phoenix execs like specifically didn't want to trade Ariza to the Lakers because they had already bought out Tyson yeah. Chandler and sent him to the Lakers. And they didn't want that. to be, they didn't want these rumors swirling and like this negative public perception that they were helping LA out. So they said they weren't going to deal with the Lakers. I found that like they they planned what they were going to do with like their team based off the public perception that they would get on Twitter. Sam well, Presti the, would never. Yeah. The
1: weirdest part of it to me was the original trade was sending Ubre to the Grizzlies and Rivers to the Suns. So if the Suns all along knew they didn't want Rivers, was the point of the original trade to get Rivers and wave him and they essentially would get nothing? I mean, yeah. I... It's it's I mean, like the, well, out of yeah. the two guys out of the two guys they get, the one they keep was the one they originally weren't gonna get.
3: Yeah, but I, the, the one thing though, Nick, and I just now thought of this, is the, the Brooks mix up. Yeah. Um, Dylan Brooks Phoenix That's thought they, they were wanted. getting Dylan Brooks, who they probably would have inserted as their starting point guard, I think. Okay. So it probably would have been a, a huge salary dump and then getting Dylan Brooks. What well, is um,
1: isn't but, Dylan Brooks hurt?
3: I think he just came back. I'm not sure, though. Okay, okay. But then they, they heard that it was actually going to be Marshawn Brooks, and they were like, oh, never mind. We don't like him. And then Memphis said, oh, we don't like him either. That's why we were going to trade him to you. <laughs> <laughs> and then Marshawn Brooks was like, dude, what the hell? Like, I don't want to be here anymore then. Oh, what that's an awkward weird. situation. What an awkward situation.
1: But yeah, that's, that's all I have for around the association. I don't think there's a whole lot more happening around the league do you guys have anything else
3: i think i'm good
2: that'll do pig
3: all right um well let's get out of here let me bump some uh some outro music okay hey thank you guys for checking out the podcast we really appreciate you we're dropping post game pods after each game they're perfectly timed like 10 to 20 minutes great for your commute to work home from work lunch break warming up at the gym um, Playing it to drown out your wife as she talks about her day. Uh, am I allowed to say that? That's okay, right? Or your That's husband or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or um, whenever you're tired of listening to your dog whine. You're not making
2: it better. Oh, okay.
1: tell. Go ahead, guys. Listening, go ahead and check out the Twitter page. We have a Christmas giveaway going on right now. Uh, if you just follow the rules on there, basically just retweet and tag somebody. Uh, You have a chance to win one of the brand new earned edition Russell Westbrook t-shirt jerseys.
3: Yeah, get on that because those things are sexy. Also, on the website, theuncontestedsports.com, Justin has a big write-up over those earned jerseys. Nick has a new article up where he has redrafted the first round of the 2018 draft. It's really interesting. Uh, It's a really fun thought experiment. I thought Nick did a great, great job on it, so go check that out as well. Um check out the Twitter handle. Like Nick said, it is at the underscore uncontested. Uh Kamiar accidentally got logged out and then his Mac started reloading on him or started updating. So he missed out on like three quarters of the podcast. But he is at Boomtown RW. Go follow him. Justin is at OKC Tracker. Nick is at two cranes. I am at Thundermob 405 we all pretty much live tweet thunder games. Uh, we talk a lot of trash. Um, Justin actually is probably the one with the most like quality content out of all of us. So, uh, make sure you really follow Justin. That's all I have. We will not be doing another group podcast until after Christmas. So we want to wish you guys a great holiday. Um, I think Hanukkah is already over, but Christmas is almost here. So if you celebrate Christmas, uh, have a great time with friends and family. Stay safe. If you're traveling, stay safe. Enjoy the Thunder, hopefully beating Houston on Christmas Day. We probably won't have a post-game podcast on Christmas Day because it's Christmas Day. But we'll be back with you guys a couple days after Christmas with another group podcast. We'll be on the lookout for that. Uh, thank you guys so much for, for checking us out. You know, we've we've been doing this for almost a full year now, and... We love all the interaction we get. We love talking hoops with you guys.
1: Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy, nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold.
4: Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York.